Welcome to Season 4 of the Centennial College Podcast, Through a Global Lens. In this season, the International Education Services and Global Experience Team, or SAGE, explores topics that affect international students and internationally-minded students, staff, and faculty. Whether you've traveled a long way to study at Centennial or you're considering traveling abroad, this podcast is for you. Hello and welcome to Through a Global Lens. I'm your host, Pearl Vaz. On today's episode, we'll be talking about what it takes for faculty and staff to go abroad, whether it's leading a group of students abroad on a faculty-led or applied research program or traveling independently on a faculty or staff exchange. We have options for everyone. Our guests this week are Lyle Williams, Adaptive Technology Specialist from the Center for Accessible Learning and Counseling Services, or CALCS. Lyle went to Finland on a staff conference to share some of the amazing work we do at Centennial. Hi, Lyle. Hi, Pearl. Thanks for including me on this podcast. We have Tim Doyle, professor and coordinator of journalism programs. Tim went to Germany for a Global Solutions Summit, Argentina to attend a T20 Summit, and has set up an amazing recurring opportunity for his students to attend conferences with world leaders as part of their program. He also was part of a group that went to Rio for the Paralympics in 2016. Hi, Tim. Hi, Pearl. Thanks for having me here. And finally, uh, Shannon Bramwell, Professor and Coordinator of the Special Event Planning Program. She's led a faculty-led international program, or a FLIP, to Spain, and has put in a proposal to lead another group to Singapore and Indonesia. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Pearl. Happy to be here. Awesome. So, thank you all for joining me today. To get us started, can you tell us a little bit more about your global experience uh, and why you decided to get involved? Lyle, we'll start with you. Sure. It was it was really just an amazing opportunity, Pearl. I saw this email. It checked boxes for me. You know, it had sharing. It had technology, which is my field in in the Center for Accessible Learning and Counseling Services. Um, and it was just really neat. And then, of course, it was in Finland. I got to give you a big thanks and Jocelyn and Laura for allowing me to go. I got to go with some amazing people. I got to go with Imran Ingar from our Information Technology Department as well as Christy Knapp from our School of Hospitality. And this journey to Finland gave us a chance to really share some of the amazing work we do here at Centennial. We got a chance to talk about our leadership programs in the form of leadership, some of the social action initiatives that we do here. We were able to write a proposal, one called Free the Tampon, which worked to provide free menstrual products and washrooms, our global citizenship initiatives, some of our smart services programming to support the... Uh, our equity-seeking students, and of course, enhanced services for our students with disabilities. In terms of what I hope to learn, it was a great chance to have conversations about universal design for learning, accessibility and accommodations, how to design learning environments, as well as talking about staff professional development. And did I mention that it was in Finland? <laughs> awesome. Tim, how about you? Why did you decide to get involved? Yeah, I've been very fortunate, Pearl, to go on a number of these excursions, but I'll talk a little bit about the, one of the more recent ones, which was the Global Solutions Summit in, in Berlin. This actually came to me through your department. Apparently, the Monk School of Global Affairs and Public Policy at the U of T was looking for a, a journalism partner to attend a global summit experience with some students and faculty from U of T and UBC. Uh, so when it was pitched to me, I thought, well, there's only one answer for that, which is yes, and then we'll figure out how to make it happen. 
So this was turned out to be an incredible opportunity for exceptional journalism students to explore the world beyond their communities and to gain a greater understanding of global issues from health care to climate to global governance and more. Your department program was really supportive to help make this happen uh, and the students really benefited from it. Happy to hear. And Shannon, how did you get started with uh, Global Experience? For me, learning is really something that I encourage outside the classroom, anywhere, at any time. So when the opportunity presented itself to partner with the University of Navarra in Pamplona, Spain, I had to say yes. Um, there's absolutely no better way to learn about the San Fermin Festival or the Running of the Bulls than standing right outside the Colosseum where it's happening. These global experiences provide students with a chance to experience not only the subject matter, but also to build global competencies such as critical thinking, internationalization, and respect for diverse cultures, really preparing them for the global workforce. And like Tim said, without the amazing support and work of the SAGE team, these would totally be impossible. So let's start from the beginning, from the birth of a global experience program. It all starts with the faculty members submitting a proposal to SAGE. Shannon, you've written a couple of proposals now. Why do you think your proposals got accepted? What kind of work did you do to prepare? So I'll start by saying thank you to the SAGE team because they start with the actual template. And the template provided is super helpful and very easy to follow. Whenever I'm thinking about preparing another proposal, I tend to try to focus on three main criteria, the subject matter, the alignment to the college's book of commitments, and academic deliverables. I want to ensure that the subject matter that we're going to be experiencing abroad cannot be done in the classroom here. For example, my upcoming Singapore and Indonesia proposal hopes to study design trends in social leisure events. We're going to the epicenter of where these design trends are emerging from, and those trends won't make it back to North America for another six months to a year later. I want to align the trip's focus with the college's book of commitments. This helps to solidify that the learning taking place is not only representative of the program's learning outcomes, but also our college's values and overall student experience. After all, our, one of our commitments as a college is to provide an unparalleled student experience. And lastly, I'm always thinking about and worried about the academic deliverables. How might these students that are on this trip share their learning with their peers upon their return? And how can the students leave a legacy piece uh, for future students to experience? The Singapore and Indonesia trip will see our students embracing another commitment from the Book of Commitments, empowering technology to empower people. The students will be using technology to capture VR segments of the design classes that they'll be partaking in. And upon their return, they'll be writing a module on design for a new course in our program. Tim, how about you? How did your program begin? Well, the proposal is really straightforward because the opportunity came to me from SAGE. Uh, the fact that the Global Cemetery Project, as it's called at the Monk School, was looking for a journalism partner and uh, selected Centennial, at least came to Centennial, was pretty exciting and pretty flattering, frankly. We at Centennial want to offer students unparalleled learning opportunities, and this clearly was one. The challenge, though, was the subject matter. The Cemetery Project is really focused on the study of international governance and the world order. That's deep especially for journalism students who are mainly focused on local stories. But they're curious, the students are. They've got interests beyond East York. They care about these big issues. So the question came back to me, how could we make this work? And again, it's easy to make something like this valuable work. Lyle, your experience was a little different. You didn't lead a group abroad, but you went on an independent global experience for staff. Can you tell us how this was different from a regular uh, professional development conference. Absolutely. So primarily what was different is, you know, we're all used to 
attending conferences in Ontario, maybe across Canada, possibly in North America. But with this conference, it was in Europe. It was in Scandinavia, in Finland. And so we had a collection of people coming in from across Europe. In the EU, they have an Erasmus Plus program, which is designed to fund staff to attend conferences, do training, do education. And so a lot of staff from all across the EU, UK, Spain, Germany, Netherlands, etc., all came in to this conference just outside of Helsinki in Finland. And so the audience was broad and bringing experiences in terms of what they do to support students in post-secondary. What was also different was that it was a sharing style. You know, we're again, we're used to presentations, workshops, maybe a panel discussion where this was designed to share what you do well at your institution. My areas of focus involved research, development and innovation. You know, if I can nerd out for a second, we were talking about virtual reality, augmentative reality. We talked about social inclusion and accessible living. Um, and of course, it was in Finland. So we were just outside of Helsinki. We got a chance to see some of the old architecture, some of the war um, artifacts which remain there. We were in a town named Turku, which is beautiful right near the Baltic Sea. When we, when we came together um, after the conference, we had a chance to sort of tease out some of the elements which stood out for us. And we talked about how uh, it built capacity, how it gave us a chance to look at our hidden competencies, the actions we can take. And so Pearl challenged us to put together a presentation. And so we developed a narrated video for Sage, which sort of talks about some of these elements. Some of the key ones that stood out for us was they have an entirely different approach to workspaces, where they have a mix of setups, which include quiet spaces for concentrated work, calming spaces for quiet breaks and meditation, active spaces, which include treadmills and yoga balls and weights, and inspirational spaces where you can be vibrant and noisy. And just imagine that, having a workplace which has got these different rooms in it for you to engage uh, with people differently or to have peace and quiet to do your work. We also had a chance to talk about learning management systems. At Centennial, we have one called um, Brightspace or eCentennial or Desire to Learn, whichever term you know. And what approach they take is one where they utilize their LMS not only for student engagement and communication, but also for staff and faculty engagement. And so many of their conversations and discussions and people are dialing in through these LMS systems, which I think is a unique approach that we could utilize back here at Centennial. Something else was that the Finns seem to have, a, have struck a great balance in terms of work and play, and they have a great sense of connectedness in their culture. And I think that that's something that we can steal. We could bring back here uh, at Centennial and I'm sure throughout many institutions across this country. So that, that's kind of why I felt like it was a different PD event. That's awesome. That doesn't sound like any conference I've ever been to. I'm wondering if any of you are able to share a funny anecdote, something that was a little bit quirky while you were traveling. Lyle, we'll start with you. Sure. Let me set the scene for you, Pearl. Imagine a movie title, The Search for Surströming. In other words, The Search for Stinky Fish. <laughs> and that's what we went on. We went on a journey in the beginning of our trip in Helsinki looking for this thing called surströming. Surströming is salted herring. And so before I went on the trip, I was Googling, YouTubing, and I came across a video talking about surströming and how it's such a delicacy for many in Scandinavia. But to those who don't eat this, it is putrid. So we had to get a can of surströming. And you would think it's easy, but it was a good day and a half search to find the, illustri the illustrious can of surströming. 
And it wasn't until right before we were about to head out to Turku to start our actual conference that we found a little fish shop, a little market right by the Baltic Sea. And they sold this. So of course, I bought two cans. It cost me 35 euros. Whoa. Quite expensive. <laughs> um, and I wrapped it and I put it in my luggage. And I was told by my travel mates, do not touch it because they were fearful that it was going to explode. And if you looked at the can, you would see this can is under tremendous pressure. Like the fish is fermented in there. So trip ends, come home. And I had a surströming party at my house. And the idea was to invite my family and friends over and open one of these cans. And in my head, I was like, yeah, it's probably pretty stink. But I wasn't prepared, Pearl. My God. Within half a second of opening it, the table cleared in my backyard. Flies flew in, <laughs> flying around this can of surströming. It was horrible, horrible. And uh, no disrespect to, to our Scandian, Scandinavian friends, but we couldn't, we couldn't do it. And I had to wrap it up, put it in a bag, and take it to the local park because I couldn't put it in my own garbage. Why do I tell this story? I tell this story because it sort of highlighted something for us, which is that for some people, uh, an idea might be a delicacy. And for others, it might be a can of stinky fish. And so it presented this idea of bringing up ideas and sharing what you think with your colleagues and with your students because you never know what might be positive and encouraged and supported versus what might not be. I have to ask, did you try it? I chickened out. <laughs> um, my wife was not very happy. I, I begrudgingly did put a little piece in my mouth and it was foul. Incredibly oh. foul. So, no, I wouldn't buy it again. Well, your pronunciation of all the Finnish words is on point. Thank you. How about you, Shannon? Any strange and stinky stories? Definitely no stinky stories. <laughs> um, I don't know that I have a, a, a quirky story. I, I do remember us planning this trip to Pamplona, Spain, and thinking about, wow, we're going to send a group of students to the running of the bulls. What an amazing opportunity. And then realizing um, through some of the risk analysis that Sage does with us before our trip, that's not happening. <laughs> and so we traveled the week before, and that was actually a really great opportunity for the students to see kind of the setup and how the town came to life. But uh, unfortunately, we did fly out the day before <laughs> just to be safe. So we wouldn't be trampled by a bull. For those who don't know, can you tell us what the running of the bulls is? So the running of bulls is a traditional um, Spanish festival that originated in Pamplona, but does happen in other cities and towns around Spain as well. And um, it's rooted in deep culture and actually to this day is still celebrated, but um, with a bit of controversy now. So the students had an opportunity to study the ethics around it, Uh, the animal cruelty portions, and also how um, the newer generations of Spaniards are are now looking at uh, opportunities to change culture and history. Hmm. Cool. How about you, Tim? Well, you know, I can think of one perhaps from a, from a trip to Rio mm -hmm. with the sports journalism students. Uh, we had been there for maybe 15 days. The students had been covering the Paralympics and meeting these athletes and eating many of their meals in the media village which is just cafeteria style. And we, th we had been out for a nice meal in, in, in Rio and in and, uh, Brazil, known for its beef, among other things. So we, um, <laughs> we thought the last night we would ask the students, where would you like to go? Well, we, the faculty and staff were there, we'll, we'll take them out for dinner. And of course they said, hmm, how about the Outback? <laughs> we go, wow, 
you know, an outback restaurant, a, you know, a North American perhaps or Australian chain that happens to be there. They knew there was one because they'd already been there, but we didn't know there were two outbacks in that city, if not more, because once we got into two cabs or three cabs and, and drove, we ended up at different outbacks. So oh. I was leading one group, and I'm thinking, where is the other group? Oh, no. and, and this, the other group was being led by our former president, uh, Ann Buller, and she's wondering where our group is. But it's true. We found there were two outbacks, we, so we didn't have that final meal together. <laughs> so you, you just had two separate dinners? Two separate dinners. Oh, man. Okay, I'm going to be honest here. Lately, I've heard a few rumors about the horrors of, of leading a group abroad. Uh, I even heard something about a rhino chasing one of our students. Uh, so let's, let's squash some of these rumors. Uh, Shannon, can you share a little bit about your experience leading a group to Spain? <laughs> well, I can't say there were any rhinos on my trip. But I will say that traveling abroad with the students is definitely a life-changing experience, one that's really helped me grow as an educator and as a professor. You're really no longer just their faculty. When you spend this much time with the students, you become their travel guide, their mentor, their counselor, and so much more. There was a story that I remember where I felt like almost a parent trying to teach one of our students how to use the blinds because they had never seen European blinds in their room before. And when you're on these travel abroad experiences, life doesn't stop and life's emergencies don't stop. So in my case, which is rare, um, we ran into a situation where one of our students had a medical emergency, and we were now in a foreign country, navigating a foreign language, in an ambulance, and in a hospital. I can honestly say that the SAGE team, Laura, Pearl, Jocelyn, were my rock throughout the entire ordeal. They prepared us well before our departure, and this was so beneficial when we got to the hospital and I was frantic having to pull insurance information and the like. The team was able to take my phone calls at every hour of the day, including through all of our time zone differences, and we were in constant contact. So they were able to keep in touch, help keep me calm, help rearrange travel assessments uh, and arrangements as needed. And so I honestly can't thank the SAGE team enough. Thanks for saying that, Shannon. We're not paying you anything, just to, just to clarify for our listeners. Now, as fun as these experiences are, we are trying hard to incorporate global experience into the curriculum. Most of our opportunities allow students to get credit for the work they're doing abroad. Tim, the way you created your opportunity for journalism students is a great example of how global experience is incorporated into curriculum. Can you share a bit about how you structure your internships? Sure. You know, that... You hit it there. That's that's a challenge, how to fit this into curriculum. So we're fortunate at the Story Arts Center, we have an innovative course called StoryWorks. It's in most of the programs at the school, and it provides opportunities in advance of an internship for students to work with, in our case, professional media outlets and other organizations interested in mentoring and emerging, uh, mentoring emerging journalists and, and storytellers. So students are assigned to mentors or projects in groups, usually from two students to six. Occasionally, there might be a single student project, and the Global Summitry project so far has fit that spot as a single student project. So for me, as a faculty member, that meant creating assignments for the student before, during, and after the summit meeting that would give them a chance to dig deeper into some of the issues for some of the stories and explore not, not just what's happening at, at a particular conference and the, and the issues being raised there, but also to, to try to explore the community, so in Berlin or in, in Buenos Aires, and do stories from there. Uh, key was the support from the school, and, uh, and the dean and the chair backed it without reservation. But I thought maybe we could try and do more, maybe for a multidisciplinary perspective. So I meet regularly with a colleague from the Monk School, and we've talked about some next steps. 
one potential opportunity focuses on the Global Cemetery Project website, and they're looking for a new site, and we have students at the Story Arts Center who can work with them to reimagine it, and students perhaps elsewhere at Centennial who might be able to build a site for them. So we're taking some initial steps this semester as we look, look forward to another visit to Berlin and another Global Solutions Summit, but we're taking those next steps to think how can we uh, have a larger impact on more students, have more students involved, and, and still keep it under the umbrella of our StoryWorks course. Amazing. That's a, that's a great example of industry and, and um, educational institutions working together. The key to a good international program is a strong partner. In order to implement our global experience programs, we work with other institutions or a local partner, someone who is an expert in the area who can help us understand and navigate the landscape of that specific destination, and someone who can help us with logistics. Tim, what do you think makes a good partner? Good question, good partner. I think someone who's enthusiastic, generous, supportive, understanding, and, and knows how to have a little bit of fun. And someone who perhaps has a similar work ethic, but with a set of skills and interests that, that complement yours. So our colleagues from the Monk School and from the University of British Columbia, because they're involved and, and they bring students to some of these uh, summits as well. Uh, they're very supportive of Centennial and its journalism programs. Uh, they are open to discussions and to being interviewed and to introducing journalists to their colleagues and to potential sources. They've been really supportive of, of what we're trying to do, and, and they see us as equal partners, which is, I think, terrific for Centennial to be you know, in that environment with, with people from those schools. Let's now take a look at why we do these programs. Shannon, can you tell us about the impact this experience has had on your students? Sure. For many of the students, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Without the funding and the help provided by the college, this trip would only be a dream to some of them. Upon our return from Spain, we were able to share with the college community here and uh, create an engaging experience at the local restaurant here on campus. We invited our college community to come and celebrate an evening of Spanish gastronomy and wine as the students shared pictures and videos and even some 360 degree content with our guests. The students were really excited to be able to share their experiences and as well, they're really grateful to be able to see all of their supporters in person. As our students now are moving and continuing along with their studies and some of them even um, in the workforce now, they've had the opportunity to leverage what they did in Spain, citing their learning and the credits that they received from the University of Navarra on their resumes and during job interviews. Tim, a couple of your students uh, have now covered these conferences with world leaders. Can you talk a little bit about the impact this has had on them and uh, where they are now in their careers? Sure. Always exciting to talk about where the students are. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'll talk a little bit about uh, some students from uh, another excursion you supported when we took a number of journalism students, okay. sports journalism students, to Rio for the, uh, for the Paralympics. Mm -hmm. In that case, uh, the students had a chance to cover a, a world-class event, uh, larger than anything they'd, they'd covered before, and to tell stories of, of Canadian heroes. And they were able to leverage that uh, in many cases, to full-time jobs with uh, major media companies in, in Toronto and elsewhere in the country. Uh, and they're working there now, whether it's the Toronto Star or Yahoo Sports or CBC, it's, it's terrific. Now, for the Global Summit projects, uh, it, it's, it's pretty interesting. One of the students uh, who went to Berlin last year and is now working full-time at, at Global News in Toronto, she came back just last week to our campus and talked to students about StoryWorks projects, two of them, in fact. One was how to get an opportunity to work at Global News, 
and what students can learn from that. But also she spoke about her experience with the Global Cemetery Project and with our partner from the Monk School who also attended. And she told students about what it meant to her. And I think I can say fairly for her and for the other student who traveled to a Global Summit, it was, it was really life-changing. They, they realized they could do this, they could ask questions, they, they overcame any kind of intimidation or fear factor and realized the people they were speaking to who are from around the world and who are policymakers and decision makers from around the world are just ordinary people. And uh, with their training and the confidence they have, they ask good questions, they were good listeners, and they have leveraged those opportunities into jobs now. It's always amazing hearing about what the students do after they come back. Well, really, it's a, it's a difference maker on a resume. Incredible. Lyle, can you tell us... A little bit about the project that you're working on, something that was inspired by your trip to Finland. Absolutely, Pearl. So what surprised us was that, you know, heading to Finland, we thought we'd see a lot of blue, blue-eyed, blonde-haired individuals, but we saw tremendous diversity in Helsinki and in the small town of Turku, because it's a, it's a university town. The, the Turku University of Applied Science and other universities are out there. And what surprised us was that this institution, to us, is doing an amazing job of highlighting the diversity of their student body, of their staff that work for the institution. And we thought if, a, if, a, if a, um, a nation like this, if a school like this in this remote area of Scandinavia is doing such a good job at recognizing and showcasing their diversity and how inclusive they are, and we have such tremendous diversity here at Centennial, this is a great opportunity for us to highlight that as well. And so my travel colleagues, Imran Ingar, Christy Knapp, um, and an, a manager from IT, John Bertie, wrote a proposal to look at how we can showcase this diversity through the utilization of a world map, almost like with pins on it, if you can envision that, highlighting where all of our students are coming from, all of our staff are coming from, those who choose to put their pin on the board, of course. And so we're looking to build this in this 2020 year to be a flagship um, at, the, at the front of the institution um, to sort of highlight this for all guests and students to see. Amazing. Thanks for sharing. Okay, so the thought of leading students abroad can be daunting for a lot of people. What is your advice for those who've never traveled before on a college trip? Tim, we'll start with you. Just do it. You know, find an opportunity and, and bring it forward. The college is pretty clear. It wants students to see and explore the world. It wants faculty members to explore beyond the confines of traditional classroom teaching. The International Department, thank you very much again, handles all logistics. So as faculty members, we can focus on the learning experience with the students. So any advice? Take a chance and see the world. Lyle, any advice? Absolutely. Fear not. You know, you, you will not be building a house. You will not be um, doing anything dangerous. Uh, this is an amazing opportunity. I would recommend learn as much as you can. Do the research. Uh, know the different programs that are offered through SAGE. Talk to people. Talk to people who've been on these um, trips, who've traveled abroad through SAGE, and apply. The SAGE team will walk you through the process. Pearl and Jocelyn are amazing. They have incredible executive functioning skills. They will keep you on point and answer every question that you need answered. And ultimately, this experience, at least from my perspective, will, will tremendously benefit you personally, and professionally. I, I think it's priceless. Shannon? I'd say take that first step. 
take that first step and talk to your chair and bring your intentions forward. You'll be surprised to see how uh, how much support there is and how how many resources are available to you um, from both your own department and the SAGE team. And really, it's okay to lean in on the SAGE team. Um, there really are the experts at this. And so I love working with them and learning from them each time um, we get a chance to do so. If given the opportunity, would you do it again, Tim? Yes, simple answer. It's really quite rewarding to be there as a coach and mentor as the students discover that they really do have the skills that are needed to track down and interview people and, and work alongside journalists from uh, big cities and small around the world. It's a difference maker in their confidence and, as I mentioned, on their resumes. Uh, the students who have done it in the past, we talked a bit about them, but they f really freely credit the Centennial experience with uh, helping them get to where they are today. Lyle, would you do this again? 100% Pearl. Um, the people, the places, the food, the, and most importantly, the, the abundance of learning that we got throughout the week. You know, it was really neat. Um, Student-wise, what, what stood out for me was that in this institution, 2S, they pay so much attention to le the learning spaces for students. They provide them with a tremendous wealth of access to study, stay in the institution and work. They have pods all over the place and private areas to study. Um, one thing that sort of stood out for me was how accessibility is something that they're, they, they recognize and they implement. But I think here at Centennial, we do a really good job. So it was a chance to highlight how much we do to support students from an accessibility lens. The, uh, the laughter, the discussions, the sharing of stories, meeting these people from across the ocean, it, it was all fantastic. There's, there's an expression in Finnish, which is kitos, and kitos means appreciation or gratitude, and that's exactly what I feel after coming back from this adventure. So thank you. Awesome. Shannon? In a heartbeat. <laughs> in a heartbeat, I would do it again. Um, for me, as a faculty member, it was such a life-changing experience, not just for the students, but for myself. And we were fortunate enough when we were in Spain to partner with a post-secondary institution. And that gave me a really nice opportunity to learn um, and network, network with faculty from other uh, institutions outside of North America. Overall, I have such an appreciation for our students and an overall holistic view of education and our students. When you spend so much time with them, you learn so much more about who they are, their struggles and their aspirations. And I have such a greater appreciation then for the journey that each of our students are on. Amazing. Lyle, Tim, Shannon, thank you so much for sharing your experience. If you're a faculty or staff member at Centennial College, if this podcast has sparked something in you, we want to talk to you. If you have an idea, start to write your thoughts in our proposal template. It will guide you to think about things like destination, timing, costs, activities, partners, risk and safety, how to incorporate the experience into your curriculum, and much more. There's a lot that goes into creating a global experience program, but don't let it scare you away. We are here to guide you at every step. For more information and resources, you can visit our website, sage.centennialcollege.ca. Before we finish up, I have one more question for our guests. What is one thing you would bring back from the country you visited? It could be an idea or a person or item or food. Maybe Lyle, we'll start with you. Sure. When I went to, to Ghana on my Giselle, we got a chance to try this condiment called 
Shito. I'm not cursing. I apologize. It's called Shito. And it's a, a hot chili condiment that you put on rice and plantain and vegetables. But we found a, a, an incredible use for it, which was to put it on pizza. And this transformed the pizza. It was the most delicious pizza I've eaten in my life. Maybe it was that I was in Ghana, but it just tasted really good. And then the idea I'd bring back, you know, is the one that we talked about earlier, the idea that we're going to really focus on how amazing the diversity is here at Centennial. So I got to thank you and the Turku University of Applied Science for really highlighting the diversity that they showcase to encourage us to do it here at Centennial. Cool. Tim, is there something that you would have brought back from any of those countries you've gone to? I sound a little trite to say the memories, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, I think one of, the, one of the most important opportunities for one of these excursions is to is to just to get outside and, and see the community that you're visiting. In, in my case, we had specific events to be at, whether it was the Paralympics in Rio or the Think 20 conference in Buenos Aires or the Global Solutions Summit in Berlin. In each case, though, the, you know, those are important. The highlight is getting out to the community, to the, the country or the city you're visiting, exploring that, seeing some of the sites, be a little bit of a tourist uh, and, and enjoy that because that'll, those memories will last forever. And finally, Shannon, what would you bring back? Hmm. I, I miss the Spanish way of life, the laid-backness, five meals a day, and a siesta. That sounds like a good life. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but if I had to bring something back, Spanish olive oil and Moscato. Mm, amazing. Once again, thank you all for being here today. Uh, Lyle, Tim, Shannon, thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Through a Global Lens. Join us for next week's episode, Unpacking Cultural Differences. Make sure to listen and subscribe to the Centennial College podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.